And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. This is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix from 1944. Then, Endora herself, Agnes Moorhead, stars on Inner Sanctum Mysteries from 1952. And by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. How are you? Great. What's happening in Hollywood? Well, ABC is reviving the game show Match Game. Match Game, Were you yeah, a game show fan back sure. in the day? No. Really? No, never. Oh, I love eh. the game shows. My favorite game is Jeopardy. I watch that all the time. I love it. No, I like like $100,000 One of these days I'm going to get one and... right. Yes, one day. It may take a couple of years, but yes, I'm going to get one, there. one answer well, right on, on Jeopardy. ABC is reviving Match Game with Alec Baldwin this is crazy. as the host and Can't executive producer. He's the host of it. It just started, um, and he will receive one of the highest game show hosting salaries I'm ever. I'm sure. Does it say um, what it is? I think it's a million dollars a show. Get out of yep, here. A yep. million dollars an episode? I, I don't know. That's just hearsay. I can't say for positive. That's what I read. Well, I would want, so, it, I would want that gig, too. But but he's yeah. donating the talent fee. I don't know what portion that is of the whole fee <laughs> don't know. to one of um, his wife's foundations that are arts related. Apparently, okay. she's very big in the arts. So, OK, yeah. he's doing a good thing. This is a 10 episode series. It will be taped in New York where he lives. So it'll be awfully convenient for him. Right. Um, and it just premiered on ABC. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. Yeah. And this is part of ABC's Sunday Fun and Games block, which also includes Celebrity Family Feud with Steve Harvey. Yeah. I like that. And you know how they do these shows? They, the uh, the talent comes in there and they knock out like the whole week yep. in one day. So I could just see uh, Alec here. Here He gets up in the morning. He's like, all right, honey, you can have some coffee because I got to go to work today. I got to make $5 million today. Well, I'm sure that's very similar to what you do with Hollywood 360. Yeah, I mean, similar. It's very yeah. similar. I mean, I make a little less, but... I thought it was pretty close. Close, but... Very close. Yeah, so, yeah I got to go make $5 million today. See you in about uh, six, seven hours. Yeah, and we'll I, go to dinner, I have a nice... I love the game shows. A nice $100,000 Pyramid is back with Michael Strahan. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of fun. So wow. you can look forward to seeing Alec Baldwin. I like Alec Baldwin. I do, so too. So that'll be fun. All right. It's time now for the conclusion to The Life of Riley. We started this last time. Let's go back to September 24th, 1944. For Sidney Monaghan, Calls on Peg, starring William Bendix. And now back to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. It's an hour later and Riley, very conscience-stricken, but trying to conceal it from the boys of the BPLA, is just arriving at the Sheik Evans' house. Well, this is the jerk. Ring the bell, Ike. Okay, Snooker. Hey, Riley, come on. What's the matter with you? What are you looking so blue about? I'm not blue. I'm very happy. Now, for Pete's sake, smile. Laugh once in a while. I'm laughing. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's still worrying about his wife. Who's worried? Me? Go on. I'm... Uh... <laughs> Hiya, gang. Glad to see you. Hiya, gang. Glad to see you. Glad 
girls. Hey, wait a minute. I thought this was a stake. Well, that was the idea about a half hour ago, but five of my fiancés dropped in to say goodbye. Well, what are we waiting for? Sure, come on in. The joint's jumping. Ain't no way, Sheik. Hey, Riley, what are you staying out there for? I, I, I just want to put my shoelace up. Well, don't uh, take all night. Okay, I'll be right there. Uh, well, I can't stay here all night tying and untying the shoelace. Guess I'd better go in. Riley, wait. Riley, don't go in there. Uh, why shouldn't I go in there? Riley, listen to me. I'm your conscience. Yeah, I know. Leave me alone, will you? The last time you was around, I was filling out my income tax. <laughs> yes, I had to put up quite a battle for that 65 cents. Well, beat it. I'm going into the party. The guys are waiting for me. Go Riley, on. what about Peg? You promised to take her out, didn't you? Yeah, but... Tonight, you said. Well, I'll take her out tomorrow night. You know you're going bowling tomorrow. Bowling? Yeah, but that's only so I'll keep healthy, so I can work, so I can support Peg. Is that the only reason you bowl? Uh, well, I'm also crazy about bowling. <laughs> Poor Peg. She works so hard. What did you ever do to make her life easier? Well, I bought her an iron and a vacuum cleaner and a washing machine, didn't I? And didn't I even show her how to use them? And is that payment for years of devotion? Well... Are you grateful or are you a rat? I'm a grateful rat. <laughs> Was it right for you to yell at her over the phone? No. Is it right to go to this party where there are strange women? Well, I was forced to. Yeah, that's it. I was forced into it. Don't be a weakling. Go home before it's too late. Home to your Peggy Pie. That's it. I'll go home. I'll go right now. Goodbye. I'm coming with you. Well, hello. Where are you going, big boy? Oh, uh, hello. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm going home. I can't... Oh, what's your hurry? The party's just starting. Come on over, big boy. Well, I, I really ought to be going. You're awfully shy, aren't you? Oh, you better let go of my hand. My conscience won't like it. <laughs> oh, you're a screen. Come on, sit down here. Don't sit down, Riley. <laughs> no, I... I don't think I'd better, miss. I, I gotta go. Oh, don't go yet. My name's Lorraine, but all my boyfriends call me Cuddles. <laughs> well... My name's Riley, but all my boyfriends call me Riley. <laughs> I really gotta be going. Why? Oh, where did you get such nice, wavy hair? Uh, it came with the head. <laughs> oh, you know, I wish I was a big, strong man like you are. Why? So I could show a weak, helpless girl like me how strong I was. Riley. Uh-uh-uh-uh. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Cuddles, will you please let go of my hand? Why? Don't you like girls? No, only, only when I'm married. Oh, gee, you're a fast worker. Is this a proposal, honey? Huh? Oh, no, 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 no. There's nothing you don't understand. I, I'm already married to a girl. Married? Yeah, I've been for 18 years. I, I got two kids. You want to see their pictures? I think. Well, yes, you uh, have your nerve coming out uh, here and flirting with me, uh, you bigamist. Well, I did not flirt with you. I only flirt with my wife. I know her personally. <laughs> the idea of 
wasting my time. You should be ashamed of yourself, you with a wife. Now, look, Miss Ah, oh, go away. <laughs> Getting so a nice girl isn't safe these days. Well, Miss Cutty... Oh. <laughs> Riley, you should have gone home when I told you. Oh, how could I go? I ain't got no car. There are buses running. It's three miles to the bus stop. You can walk to the bus. Okay, okay, I'll walk to the bus. Now leave me alone. I'll never leave you alone. I'm getting on that bus with you. Okay, then you'll pay your own fare. <laughs> Yoo-hoo. Sweetheart. Uh, Peggy Pie. Uh, uh, Dumplin'. Dumplin'. Peg! She won't answer. Shut up, conscience. Peg, where are you? She isn't here. Well, go on. She'll be back soon. She must be visiting with the Binny. There are no lights in the Binny house. Maybe the fuses blew out. You? <laughs> you know where she is. Well, she, she must have gone to the movies. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Well, sure. I'll just sit down and wait until she gets back. But suppose she didn't go to the movies. <laughs> suppose she kept that date with Butch Monahan. No. She wouldn't. My Peg ain't interested in Butch. She... Uh, this is address. She wrote it on the telephone pad. She did go to Butch Monahan. Why shouldn't she ask the way you talked to her on the phone? I never knew I was such a brute. Don't stand there. Do something. Yeah. I'm going to this Butch Monahan and tell him off. I once punched him in the nose and I can do it again. It was Butch who punched you in the nose. Yeah, and he can do it again. <laughs> I ain't afraid of you, Butch Monahan. Get out of my way before you break every bone in my body. What? Why, it's Riley. Uh, what about it? The same old sorehead. Uh, Always looking for a punch in the nose. Monahan, I didn't come here to munch words. There's only one thing I want to know. Is my wife in there? Sure. Then step outside. What? Is something wrong? Uh, Why, Riley, what are you doing here? I... Peg, get your coat. I'm taking you out of here. Oh, now, Roddy, don't be rude. Yeah, stop being yourself. Come on in. The missus just making some coffee. Peg. No, he's got you making him coffee. Oh, no, not me, dear. Mrs. Monahan. Well, you can tell Mrs. Monahan that I don't like the... Uh, uh, Mrs. Monahan? Shh. Don't wake the kids. Peg, uh, children? Sure. Didn't Peg tell you I was married to the most beautiful dame in the USA? And I got three beautiful kids. Well, I tried to tell Riley this morning, but he was a little upset. You're married, huh, Butch? Well, gee, that's swell. <laughs> did, you, did you marry a Brooklyn girl? No, nah, she was born in Manhattan. But she's taken out her first paper. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> well, come on in and park yourself. We'll chew the facts. Okay, Butch, we'll, we'll be in in a minute. I... I just want to talk to Peg out here private like you. Sure, don't mind sure, for... but don't take too long. No, the we're... Coffee, cool. Okay, we'll be... Uh, Dumplin', are you mad at me? Well, what for, dear? For the way I spoke to you on the phone like a roughneck. That ain't like me, Peg. Oh, you didn't fool me. I heard the boys teasing you while you were on the phone, and, well, after you hung up, I just put two and two together and realized what happened. Gee, Dumplin', you're the smartest wife I ever had. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't so smart. After 18 years, I ought to know how you really feel about me. 
No matter what you say. That's right, Dumplin. Always remember, no matter what happens, no matter what I say, I'll, I'll always have a soft spot in my head for you. <laughs> All statements regarding the nutritional value of meat made on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Hey, Peg. What is it, dear? <laughs> Did you hear that crack which Monaghan made? <laughs> he said he married the most beautiful girl in the USA. He means he almost married her, only I beat him to it. <laughs> oh, oh, go on. Dublin. Do me a favor. What? Give me a kiss. Well, all right. Now listen to me, Riley. Ha, <laughs> ah, beat it, conscience. This is one time I ain't listening to you. <laughs> Folks, this is William Bendix reminding you that tomorrow is the start of the vitally important campaign to raise $250 million for the National War Fund. The dollars we give will buy books and tools for American war prisoners. We'll go to help the wives and children of servicemen who are alone at home, to buy food for a war orphan child abroad. And there are a thousand other channels into which our help will flow to aid those who need it desperately, those far less fortunate than we are. So tomorrow, let's all give generously to something that makes us all proud to be part of America, the National War Fund. Thank you, folks. See you next week. Thanks. Starring William Bendix and presented by the American Meat Institute next week at the same time. You'll enjoy William Bendix in the Edward Small Motion Picture, abroad with two Yanks coming soon at your local theater. The Life of Riley was directed by John Bernard, with music by Lou Cosmo. This is Wendell Niles in Hollywood, pinch hitting for Brother Ken, saying, See you next week. This is the Blue Network. And that's The Life of Riley from September 24, 1944, with Sidney Monaghan Calls on Peg, starring William Bendix. Also in that cast, Paula Winslow and John Brown with Wendell Niles doing the announcing, sponsored by the American Meat Institute, which is, uh, this is your kind of company. Oh, All yes. kinds of meat. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, Lisa's a big, a big, big meat oh, eater. Yeah. It's heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Don't go away. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf to my right, Mike Costella, 
our executive producer to my left. And it's time for Inner Sanctum Mysteries. It featured stories of mystery, terror, and suspense. It was created by Hyman Brown, and it premiered on ABC in 1941. A big part of the fright factor was the show's host, Raymond, who opened each episode with campy, tongue-in-cheek humor. Raymond delighted in painfully bad puns and poking fun at the audience, who he was sure would soon be suffering from knee-knocking fright. One auditory trademark of the show was the creaking door that opened and closed each episode. Hyman Brown got the idea from a door in the studio's basement that squeaked like crazy. Brown said to an assistant, I'm going to make that door a star, and he did just that. Inner Sanctum Mystery spawned a series of low-budget universal horror movies starring Lon Chaney Jr. and a 1954 syndicated television show. In the 1970s, Hyman Brown recycled both the creaking door and, to a lesser extent, the manner of Raymond with his Peabody Award-winning CBS Radio Mystery Theater. The hosts were E.G. Marshall and Tammy Grimes. And you know what, Lisa? It's how I got interested in classic radio, hearing the CBS Radio Mystery Theater growing up in the 1970s. Now, I had heard a classic radio show prior to that, but it was really the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. It was on every night, Monday through Friday, in Chicago. It was on WBBM. And I remember just uh, at 10 o'clock at night being at that radio to listen to the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Did you listen with your family, or was it just no, a personal it was just thing? Me. No, it was just me listening. I was kind of a lonely kid. Yeah, I was you picturing know. it that it was way. Me and my radio. Me it's and about my radio. it, pretty much. And uh, you know, and, and and my teddy bear. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Let's uh, let's tune this in now. Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Agnes Moorhead and Dora herself from Bewitched appears before the microphones. Let's go back to uh, June 29th, 1952. This is called Terror by Night on Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the creaking door. This is your host to welcome you into the Inner Sanctum. Come in, come in. Ah, I always feel lighthearted in weather like this, so perhaps we ought to have a little poetry before we begin. An Arab girl named Yuhim was lied to by her husband, Menuhim. For this little trifle, she shot him with a rifle. And now she can see right through him. (laughs) And now, if your scalpels are sharpened and ready, we will proceed with the business of the evening. Tonight, we're going to do a little study in terror. Have you ever been alone with fear? Alone in the night and frightened? Well, here is our star, Agnes Moorhead, in the role of Linda Dixon, who will tell us a tale of terror by night. It was Friday night, and I think I was already a little nervous as I drove north into the mountains. I hadn't wanted to waste even an hour of my two-week vacation, so I'd had all my bags packed and the car waiting at the curb in front of my office building. Everything would have been all right if the fuel pump in my six-year-old car hadn't acted up. It took the mechanic almost two hours to get me going. So now I was driving through the night with 50 miles more to go, and I was tired and nervous and irritated. And then I heard the whistle in the distance. At first, I couldn't place it. 
And then I remembered the state prison was somewhere in the vicinity. The whistle. It meant... It meant a prisoner had escaped. I reached over and turned on the radio. Maybe they were broadcasting something about it. Motorists are warned to be on the lookout for Lee Hartley, who escaped from the death cell at State Prison at 9.15 p.m. Tall, dark-haired, regular features, no distinguishing marks. Hartley is a confirmed killer. He is believed to be armed. Beware of Hartley. He would rather kill than eat. He would rather Police kill than eat. And that man was loose, perhaps waiting around the next bed in the road. Hartley was helped to escape from the outside by his sweetheart, Helen Hearn. A red-headed woman just as vicious as Hartley himself. It is thought that Hartley and the Hearn woman may have separated after the escape. All motorists are warned to beware of a dark-haired man and a red-haired woman alone or together. My hand was shaking a little as I turned off the radio. I looked in the car mirror and shivered. I, too, have red hair. There was a storm coming on, and I was driving into it, and the night was black, and I felt small and lonely and frightened in the car. And then I saw them in the mirror, the headlights sweeping up behind me. A car. It had come out of nowhere. It was pulling alongside, cutting me off. I cowered behind the wheel and watched the door of that other car open. A man stepped out. Oh, and I breathed a sigh of relief. It was a state trooper. You're driving all alone, miss? Yes, officer. Sorry if I scared you. We're stopping all cars. Where are you headed for? Well, I'm going up to the lodge at Smuggler's Notch. That's near Mount Mansfield. You see, I started out late from the city, and I'm having motor trouble. Yeah, sure. Can I see your driver's license, please? My driver's license? Uh, yes, of course. Here, I, I've got it somewhere in my purse. <laughs> I, I seem to be all fingers. It's that escaped prisoner, Hartley. How'd you know about him? I heard the prison whistle, and then it came over the radio about Hartley and his red-haired girlfriend. Hey, you've got red hair, too. <laughs> you don't think I'm that woman. Find that license yet? Oh, yes, I, I'm sure it's in here. Not so many things in this bag. Oh, here, here, I've got it. Here's my license. Thanks. What time did you say you left the city? About five o'clock. It took you a long time to get up this far. Well, I told you I had motor trouble. Mm, so you did. Okay, Miss Dixon, here's your license. Thank you. You can go ahead. Thank you. Oh, darn. There it goes again. More motor trouble. Oh, it's the same thing. The mechanic said it might happen again. Oh. Oh. Oh, it started. You want to get that fixed? First chance you get. Oh, it's too late. All the service stations are closed. Well, there's one that's open all night, about uh, two miles up the road. Uh, better oh. stop there. Bill Slater's place. He's Bill a good mechanic. He'll fix you up. Tell him Joe Nesbitt sent you. Thanks, I will. And listen, Miss Dixon. Yes? You be careful. Don't stop to give anyone a lift, man or woman. Oh, don't worry. I won't. In a few minutes, I saw the lights of the station. I swung into the open space in front of the pumps and stopped. There was another car... A coupe parked at the pump, but there was nobody in it. And I didn't see any attendant around either. I pressed the horn button. No one answered. Everything seemed so quiet. And suddenly ominous. I found myself shivering. I had a 
curious feeling that someone was watching me. I had to get away from there. Fast! Oh, the starter wouldn't work again. Oh, it won't start again. Oh, it won't start. Oh, it won't start. And that's the first portion of Inner Sanctum Mystery. Stick around, we'll have more when we return. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Inner Sanctum Mysteries. For a long time I sat behind the wheel listening. Listening for the sound of footsteps stealing up behind the car. But there were none. Then I could bear it no longer. I had to get out of the car. I had to see what was in that office. I opened the door of the car and stepped down on the gravel. Anybody in there? No answer. I clenched my fists and stepped inside. floor at my feet lay the body of a man. His mechanic's jumper was stained red. And his throat was cut. How long I stood there, I'll never know. I was petrified. Unable to move. Unable to take my eyes from the body. What's that? can do for you, sister? Yes. Yes, it, it, it's my car. It, it won't start. I, I... I thought someone here might help me. Sorry. There doesn't seem to be anybody around. That's my coupe over there. I stopped for gas and no one came out, so I went in and looked around. But did... Did you find anybody? There isn't a living soul in there. Oh. You, uh... You look kind of tired. No, 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 I'm all right. My name is Taylor. John Taylor. Uh, I'm Linda Dixon. Linda Dixon, hmm? Glad to know you. You traveling far tonight? I'm going to Mount Mansfield. To the largest smuggler's notch. They're, they're, they're expecting me. Well, what do you know about that? What? Mount Mansfield is the place I'm heading for, too. Isn't that a coincidence? I... I'm sure it is. And your car won't run, hmm? I'll tell you what. We'll put your baggage in my car and I'll give you a lift to Mount Mansfield. You can send for your car in the morning. No. I'll have your bags switched in the jeep. Please. No, I'd rather not. Not. All switched. Oh. Come on. 
Get in here. We drove away into the night, leaving behind us the dead man in the service station. Sid, it looks as if Linda Dixon's got herself into an awful jam. And believe me, she's shaking like jelly. <laughs> now, let's see how our star Agnes Moorhead in the role of Linda Dixon is making out. All alone in the car with a strange man. But after all, she shouldn't be too scared of him. He's just a felon who needs a friend. I sat stiff and tense beside the man who called himself John Taylor. He had both hands on the wheel and he stared out through the windshield. My eyes focused on something on his right hand. It was a stain, a small stain, but it was wet and red. I couldn't take my eyes off it. What are you looking at? Oh, 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 nothing, nothing at all. I think I'll turn on the radio. Did you know there's been a jailbreak? Hartley is five foot ten. Very dark hair. Don't be fooled by his pleasant manner. He is a killer by instinct. A killer by instinct? He is a killer by look instinct at the man beside and me. very dangerous. He is accompanied by Helen Hearn. Helen Hearn is a clever and dangerous woman. Five foot three, red hair, very pretty. I caught Taylor looking at me out of the corner of his eyes. What are you looking at? At your hair. It's red. There was a streak of lightning. And looking out of the rain-swept window, I glimpsed a signpost. The lightning illuminated the sign, and my heart skipped a beat at what I saw. That sign we just passed. What about it? It said Barrington ahead. We're going the wrong way. We should be on the Mansfield Road, not the Barrington Road. That's funny. I must have taken the wrong turn. Well, aren't you going to turn back? Sure. Whatever you say. We'll turn right around and go back. Oh. We're in the ditch. In the ditch. Oh. No good. She won't budge. Well, looks like we're stuck here for the night. I... I think I'd better get out and walk. Perhaps there's a house nearby. Walk? In this weather? I, I don't mind the weather. Really, I don't. You can't walk in this storm. You're staying right here until I get the car out of the ditch. I've got some tools in the trunk compartment. You stay put. I heard him open the trunk in the back. I listened for further sounds, but there was nothing. I didn't hear him moving back there. I didn't hear any tools. I had to find out what he was doing. Slowly, carefully, I got my door open. I stepped out into the rain and sneaked back toward the rear. I saw him there, not moving, 
in front of the open trunk compartment, bending over with a flashlight in his hand. The ray of light was focused on something curled up inside. It wasn't baggage or tools. It was a woman's body. Just then he saw me. He snapped the flashlight off, but not before I caught a glimpse of red. Then I, I must have fainted. When I came to, I found myself seated inside the car again. The storm was over. The night was quiet. Ah, oh, so you're awake again. I... I don't feel well. Is it because of what's in the trunk compartment? Oh, she's dead. I told you not to get out of the car. What are you going to do with me? What do you think? They say that when a person loses all hope, he subconsciously seeks refuge in sleep. That's what must have happened to me. I must have dozed, or perhaps I fainted, I don't know. But I awoke with a start at the sound of brakes. I sat up straight and saw that we had stopped in front of a small fieldstone house. Why are we stopping here? I'm out of gas. Oh. Come on. We're going in. The sign on the door said, Roger Bryce, M.D., a doctor's house. I began to feel a spark of hope. There might be a chance. I'll do the talking. Is that clear? Yes. There's the bell. No. He must be awake. There's a light in the parlor. How do you do? Oh, good evening. Dr. Bryce? Yes. Can I help you? I'm terribly sorry to disturb you, Doctor, but my sister and I were heading for Mansfield and we seem to have gotten lost. And we're out of gas. His sister? He was passing his office brother and sister. Now I knew why he hadn't cut my throat as he had that service station hands. He was carrying me for protection. I was his passport through the police cordon. His sister. I'm afraid I can't be of much help to you. I'm seven miles from the nearest town, and I haven't any spare gasoline. But come in, won't you? Well, yes, thank you, we will. I wonder if I could offer you my hospitality for the night. Oh, that would be imposing. Not at all. I have two rooms that aren't being used. Well, really... Oh, come, come, I insist. I had hoped for a chance to talk to Dr. Bryce alone, just a word to warn him. But Taylor never left us alone for a minute. He insisted on coming into my room to make sure, he said, that it was comfortable enough for me. Then he took the doctor by the arm and went out with him. Good night, sis. And uh, sweet dreams. I was alone, free of the presence of John Taylor. I had another lease on life. I lay down on the bed, but I didn't dare close my eyes. I waited my heart pounding to give them both a chance to retire. And I slipped off my shoes and got off the bed in my stocking feet. I stole across the room and inched my door open. Slowly, carefully, I stepped out into the corridor and turned right toward the doctor's room. What's the matter, sister? <laughs> Sleepwalking? <gasps> you weren't thinking of going anywhere, sister, were you? I, I, I wanted a drink of water. 
A drink of water, hmm? In case you didn't know it, there's a water pitcher on your dresser. Oh, well, I, di- I didn't see it. Good night, sister. I turned around and went back into my room. It was no use. I lay down on the bed. How long I lay there, I don't know. Perhaps I slept, perhaps not, but I heard that slight creak as my door began to inch open. The blood chilled in my veins. Vaguely, I saw the outline of the hand and the knife it held. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't. Slowly, he came toward the bed. Now he stands over me. He raises a knife. I screamed and rolled over on the bed just as the knife slashed down. I rolled off the bed and cowered in the corner. That horrible figure came around the bed after me with a knife upraised. I cowered there in the corner, they fought all over the room in the dark. I had no strength to move, to think, not even to hope. All the life seemed to have gone dead in my veins. And then, then it was over. But who, who had won? In the dark, I strained my eyes to see. Doctor? Dr. Bright? Is that you? (laughs) No, Linda. It isn't Dr. Bryce. It's... It's I. John Taylor. It was John Taylor standing there at the light switch. And on the floor lay Dr. Bryce, unconscious, with a long gash in his head. I... I had to hit him with a... a water pitcher. My eyes swung back to Dr. Bryce. And I saw the knife still gripped in his right hand. That's Hartley, Linda. What? Lee Hartley, the killer. It it was he who came in here with the knife? Right. I was down the cellar just now. The real Dr. Bryce is down there, dead. Oh. This guy posed as Bryce when we came to the house. Oh, then then you... You're not Hartley. (laughs) Oh, what a situation. All the time you thought I was Lee Hartley, and oh. I thought you were Helen Hearn, on account of your red hair. Oh, but, that, but the body of that red-haired woman... That's Helen Hearn. Oh. This guy must have killed her back at the service station and stuffed her body in my trunk compartment while I was inside. That all happened last summer. In time, I think I'll manage to forget that night of terror. But it won't be soon. Sometimes in the night I dream that I see that awful figure with a knife poised above my throat. I, I wake up screaming. But then John takes me in his arms and holds me tight and tells me that everything is all right. You see, I'm Mrs. John Taylor now. happy ending. As for Mr. Hartley, that pleasant killer, he got what he deserved. Some people never know when they're well off. He should have stayed in jail. 
where they never raise your rent, where they make no charge for meals or for electric current. Mm. <laughs> you see, when you're in jail, everything is free. Except you. <laughs> Friends, it's time once again to close that creaking door. Until next week at the same time, when we'll be back with a little hunk of horror. <laughs> You'll be sure to listen, aren't you? Until next week, then. Good night. Pleasant dreams. Inner Sanctum has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And that's Inner Sanctum Mysteries from June 29, 1952, with Terror by Night, starring Agnes Moorhead, also in the cast, Carl Swenson, a fellow Carl, Lisa. Only he spells it with a K. Yeah, I thought All you right. were the only Carl. No. That's so sad. And Everett Sloan. Paul McGrath, who is our host on that, is heard on the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Back in 1952. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Cat's Pride has proudly made cat litter for over 65 years. Three generations of a family committed to creating innovative, top-quality cat litter products. New Cat's Pride fresh and light, lightweight litters contain absolutely no fillers, just natural clay minerals with an odor-controlling system, pure performance. Whether your cat prefers our original fresh and light quick action or fragrance-free, all our clay litters are made using only safe and gentle ingredients without ever compromising on performance. Cat's Pride, committed to changing litter for good. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. 
Hollywood360.com and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. That's going to do it for Lisa, Mike, and I on this edition of Hollywood 360. But we'll be back next week and we'll tune in to The Man Called X, Our Miss Brooks, Space Patrol, Rogues Gallery, The Phil Harris and Alice Face Show, and The Shadow. Will you be here, Lisa? I will. Or are you going to send your double? Here. Lisa has a double. That she son- sometimes you think sends. You only have one. And I know. Well, she's like a Stepford wife. You send one of those uh, doubles in, and I know which one is you and which one is not you. I'm definitely so you not know. the Stepford wife. All That's right. The one. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Estella, engineer Sam Wolf, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.